Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. We finished the three weeks of a missions emphasis, and now we're back to Matthew. And so we kind of like the, the whole theme of Matthew, which we started, wow, we almost started that a year ago. We took a pause for Christmas, Easter, and some things, but it was really following the promised king into his kingdom. And you notice this title is very similar. So all we're simply doing as we go through this book, Matthew has recorded certain events of Jesus' life, and there's four gospels, and sometimes they tell the same story, sometimes they tell different ones. But a gospel, again, Matthew writes this after the resurrection of Jesus, and he's assembled this in a particular way. So here's where we are in the story. Uh, and thank you. I, actually, where's Marion at? Is Marion in here? Is she with kids now? Anyway, the way she said it in, in, in Sunday school, thank you. I just love what you said in Sunday school as we're talking through the text. That Jesus has already been around doing all this ministry. And he's been in all these different cities, and he's healing, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, and all this stuff. And you're going to see it in the text that now he sends his disciples to do that. And all of this in Matthew has this theme of the kingdom of heaven being moving. And that, that may be kind of weird words to us. We're, you know, our country's newer than most countries and all that. But it's really, it's the reign and rule of Jesus. And this is the time period in human history where where he's actually incarnate. He's actually here. He dies. He's resurrected. He's in heaven. And so we're going to walk through this text, but it's interesting. He gives his disciples authority. There's a number of things um, that he does, and we'll note it. And so typically as we go through a passage, you're trying to understand this passage as it was written, but how's that relate to me? So you'll catch that along the way back and forth. I'm going to kind of do that. I'm just telling you where we're going. So before we get there, I just want to go zoom out and go bigger and start this way, just asking these kind of questions. How do, you, how do you see the world? How do you see it? Maybe a different way to ask is, how do you see your place in the world? The place God has for you. Sometimes we just run right by that. We don't think about it. But there's something there. A lot of people, they simply go through life, and really, whether they're, whether they're explicit on this, whether they can, they can articulate or not, they, they simply kind of think, ah, I'm just going through, I just want somewhere, I want to get a good job, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to make enough money, I want to have a good place to live, I want to you know, have money to do whatever. If I get married, I want to have a good marriage. If I have kids, I want to have good kids. Um, that's just, it's kind of it. So let me encourage you. If you would call yourself a Christian, and by that mean, I don't mean just, you know, there's lots of things in the name of Christian that aren't Christian, that aren't like Jesus, but we say that we're saying, you would identify, I'm a follower of Jesus. So the word in, in, in the New Testament they use is disciple, which means follower. So that, if that's, that's you, I want to say this to you. The Lord has a place and a purpose for you. He does. Whether you've been following him for a little time or a long time, he has a place and a purpose for you. I want you to hear that because sometimes we forget that. Sometimes they think, oh, I just got this life, or life's so busy, I can't. And I mean, honestly, if I, if I go around and ask, there's, I don't think there's probably anyone, if I said, hey, how many of you say your life is busy and crazy? I don't think there'd be anybody with your hand down unless you don't like to play the game. I mean, you, it's true for everybody I know. But I want to say there's a, 
he, if, if you've responded to him, he's got a place and a purpose for you. So I, I use that phrase, or following the call of Jesus. You'll see that language in the text. So let me define a term for you. What's a call? People use that all the time. In different circles, they'll use it. So I'm just going to give you my best sense of that, okay? Because it, yeah, the scripture might use that word certain times. It doesn't fi- define it just in one way, but my best understanding of a call of Jesus is this. It's a sense of God's directing you, sometimes very specifically to something. And that thing, it may or may not make sense to others. But the Lord, I mean, generally he tends to confirm that to you. But here's some other keys. And we sang it this way. It might have been the first song. Jesus will be at the center of it. Okay, you won't be. Whatever that thing is, he will be at the center of it. That is his glory, his kingdom, and his character. So let me just pause for a moment. You know how people do things, religious things, but it looks nothing like Jesus? Nothing like his character? Probably not his call. So was, there's was problems in Jesus' day with religion, promised here. It's problem, it just, just is. So when he's calling you to something, he's going to be at the center of it. His glory, his kingdom, and his character, Okay. Now, one other thing. We didn't really coordinate, but I love how you framed out some of the announcements. I just want to think, some of you guys have been around for a long time, some for a little bit. I just want to think about the origins of Converge Community Church. Um, Because he brought us here. And some of you were here at the very beginning. Some of you moved down to New Buffalo, like Justin and Kai did. Some of you were already here. And we're going up to the Sawyer campus. Said, nope, this is, this is the place I want to be. Some of you came in at a later spot. Some of you, after God gave us this building, you came in. Doesn't matter when you came in. Doesn't matter if it's a month ago. So I say that you get, if you're part of this, and this is pretty open, if you're part of this and what the Lord is doing here in New Buffalo, there is a place and purpose for you here. This is what we've prayed for all the way along. We don't... We know every church is imperfect, okay? And, and why, do we, why is the church imperfect? Remember this one? Because there's people. Thank you, Jane. Because <laughs> I'm in it. Because <laughs> there's people in it. And Lord, just very comfortable. <laughs> He's more comfortable than we are working with imperfect people, people that got baggage, people that got brokenness. That's the whole point. Because it's Jesus in us. That way people see Jesus and not us. I mean, it gets expressed through our personality and all that. But brokenness and hurting is okay. Jesus is who has to be seen. And that's what he does in the church. And when I use it, I'm talking about the true church. What he's doing, it's his people. And a call means this also. I belong to him, not to me. So it's language we've used for a long time, okay? And seasons change. My family's growing up. It, it, the dynamics change. So in a church community, a spiritual family, there's seasons that change, but this is his season, all right? So I just contextualized the text before we got to the text. So I wanted us to kind of like think about us in this. So in this particular text that Jeff's going to come up and read, um, and he's going to read a couple verses earlier than chapter 10, there's, it focuses in here on Jesus' call, his giving authority, his sending us out with instructions. So let's just, would you stand with me? Give our attention to the word of God as, do you give a microphone, Jeff? Okay, it comes. So we stand, this kind of separating us out from the preaching part, we're standing in honor of God's word. Thank you. 
when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are those are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it, and if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Let's pray as we stand. Father, we just heard your word read, and this is what we ask. I mean, you know everybody here. You know where we are with you and where we aren't with you, and I, I just ask God that you would help us hear your voice through all of this. And we would respond to you as would be good. Yeah, that's what we ask, Lord. So thank you for how you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, um, there's a lot here. I hope this isn't too fast-paced. But let me, let me go back to, again, the setting. The context is really important. So I had Jeff go back and read some verses before chapter 10. So again, there's a way Jesus is seeing things. Oh, so this was part of the passage we preached actually, wow, that had been one, two, three, four weeks ago. So I don't expect you to remember it, but we read it. So he's looking at the crowds and he sees them. He's got compassion in his heart, so we see that. But then he's got two word pictures that I think are really profound. So he sees them as helpless and harassed and he describes it. What, what's the first picture? We will, I'm actually asking, we'll be... We'll be so you have, might have to have your Bibles open. First one, you can even make guess and like point at the other guy if you say it wrong because I won't know who said it. First picture, sheep. Sheep without a shepherd. What's that look like? That's a disaster, friends. If you know anything about sheep, they are, I, yeah, we're not too, I can say the word dumb. They are dumb. They're run out. They need a shepherd. Just, they get themselves in trouble all the time and so, I won't go into that whole story. We told those stories before. They just get in trouble. Sheep without a shepherd. What's the next picture? Next verse. 
Say it loud. Harvest. harvest. What kind of harvest? Plentiful. Not puny, plentiful. But there's something else. Plentiful harvest, but not that many workers, few workers. Okay, get those two pictures. This is how he sees people. Sheep without a shepherd, they're just harassed. They're in trouble. Yet, it's a great harvest. Not enough workers yet, great harvest. Okay, do you get those two? How do you see the world right now? How do you see the world right now? I mean, I'm telling you, this, this whole thing, sheep without a shepherd and all that trouble, don't you feel that? You read that news? I mean, every, every, it doesn't matter where you go, you can feel that. Yet, this also is true. I'm not sure I see that all the time. So here's what happens. Needs, needs, are, it exposes us. You know the worst time we are is when we think we're doing okay. Life's plentiful. I don't need Jesus. I'm out here. People go, ah, Jesus is a crutch. Let me tell you, <laughs> I need a crutch. There's a lot more brokenness in the world than we think, and the people that don't come to Jesus that think that they're absolutely okay and just ignore him, and there's trouble. So I want to say to you, partly as he sets the setting here is the brokenness is okay to see. It's just not the whole picture. He's doing something. There's an opportunity here. So notice, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what, 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 what do we do? Ah, who said it? Yeah, he didn't say, like, go get out there. That's what you think, coach. Go get out there. That's, what you, that's, what I want, that's, how, I want to, that's how I want to respond. Here's the need. Go get it. That's not what he says. He says, pray. He even describes that pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. Why does he say that? So just, I think, in the announcements kind of said that a little bit. We talked but I think, so it's, when we go through this passage, you're going to see a cup, the action. This is the one thing. This is where we start. We pray earnestly. Then he's doing all these other things. Why do you think he says that? Well, let me just back up. <clears throat> However you see the world, hopefully we'll see it both ways. But I'll tell you this. When we pray earnestly, there's something that God does in us. So it's not like once every once. So this is like all the time praying. So I'm just going to follow the action. I think we've got the next slide, in. So I'm trying to figure out a passage. I'm just like, what's driving this? So if you look at the verbs in the text, it starts up. So I think it starts up in chapter 9. I think it's verse 38. We pray. Then Jesus calls. Notice the words. He calls the disciples to himself. He calls, then he, he gives his authority and then he sends them out with some very specific instructions. That's going to be the flow of this text. But notice again, our response, it starts with us praying. So this is really the message of four weeks ago. I'm not going to repeat it, but it sets up the rest of this, okay? That's where, that's where we need to start. That's where we need to be. And I'm just asking God, help me to see people. Help me see situations like you see them because I don't. I just see him like I see him, all right? So I'm going to break down. I don't think I have this projected. So kind of the flow of, of this whole thing is, I think the first half of it is Jesus preparing and empowering his disciples. And then the second half, verses 5 to 15, is really him. He sends them out with instructions. That's what it is. All right, so let's, let's break it down. First part, Jesus prepares and empowers his disciples. Um, I think there's like at least... Four things that he's doing here as he's preparing and empowering them. First one, following Jesus begins with prayer. So I said this a little bit already. But when I say that, I mean, so prayer, it's talking to him. 
And so sometimes we have these little set-aside times. We're talking to them. Maybe you begin the morning that way. Maybe in your drive. You're, if you're driving to Chicago, yeah, I know you're praying or else you're cursing. One of the two. It's one of those. Oh, I skipped. Oh, thank you, Lord. So I was, I was out on this, this. Someone paid for me to go to Montana. Isn't that crazy to fly fish with a bunch of pastors last week? And it was like unbelievable. I did not fly back into Chicago. I flew into South Bend. I missed all that traffic. I was so happy. I have not done that forever. Sorry, that was totally right. <clears throat> Pray about everything. I was in much better spirits when I got home, I should say that. All the time. Seasons, in the moment, what you see, here's the thing, I don't know what to do with this. I got a kid coming to my office, I'm, as a count, I got, what do I, what do I, what do I do with this? I got this thing going on in my marriage, I got this thing going on in my grown kids. It's praying all the time, talking to him about everything. Now listen to this. I think this is a key part of discipleship, growing in Christ, that we assume. And you know what happens with the things we assume? We don't do them. I know this, I know this, I know this. Why does Jesus say pray earnestly? So I just go back and ask it. This is, so since studying this, so it was four weeks ago, and again, I'm going, do I pray earnestly? I pray, if I just go, hey, do you pray? I think most people, yeah, I pray. Do you pray earnestly? And about this specifically, when you see the world like it is or whatever it is, Lord, send them out. Lord, do this. I found that happening differently in my life in the last weeks as I just think about it. Well, let me ask you this way. How do you think, how do you think it's Memorial Day? We're so grateful for those who've served our country already. And if you're not, you better be. If you're not, can, can you just go to Yemen for a little while? No, you'd be, you'd be dead. Can you go to Pickett? So whatever you think about immigration, there are people that are working their tails off to get here because they look at this country like it's the greatest country. And we're sitting here going like, man, it's not so great. So whatever you think, politics aside, we have unprecedented opportunities. And those who've served us have laid down their lights, lives. And it's just, we've got a whole different climate going on. But how do you see our world right now? What's going on in our country? How do you see it? And all that, I think both those metaphors are true. Sheep without a shepherd and a great harvest. So I just ask you this. You, I mean, you can ask yourself however you see it. Do you want to see it like Jesus does? Do you want to? How would that ever happen? I think only if I'm praying earnestly. Only if I'm talking to him about it. When I see brokenness, yep, there's brokenness. I, so you think, I can't see the opportunity I'm going to say this with be not. <clears throat> Some of those around my life that appear the hardest, appear the ones most against Jesus, I know they're not. They resist too much. There's a lot more going on inside it. I can't get at it. I just ask the Lord because he knows. He knows how to open a door. I can't open it. Now, I don't know who's around in your life, but again, you've got a purpose and a place. God's put people around your life. And all this starts with, with praying, Lord, help me to see like you see. How would that happen if I'm not talking to him about it? Could he just pink, do that? Sure he could. But I think there's something about this pray earnestly, this. And it's interesting, again, the phrase was, pray to whom did he say? I, I don't have it up here, so you've got to like, look in your Bible. Pray to whom? Did he say pray to God? Pray to the Lord Almighty? What's he say? I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. Pray to 
the Lord of the harvest. Interesting term. Oh, no, don't show him, Ian. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is, this is a pop quiz. Thank you. Okay. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Why does he use that term? Well, he doesn't say pray the Lord Almighty. Pray the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into, what's the text say? His field, his harvest. What's that saying? Do you know that God cares more about this than you do? So when we're praying, we're just asking him about things that he's doing, that he wants. It's his harvest. When he sends us out, it's not your job to make it happen. You just go, just obey him. He does. That's a beautiful thing. You ever tried to do things in your strength? No, no, no. That's, that's so natural. <laughs> that's like all we ever do. It only happens when I'm praying that I'm like, stop, Lord. Stop having me do. I... I need help to see like he sees. I, I will only see like I see. It's, always, it's natural. Don't, don't guilt yourself or judge yourself for that. Just ask his help. That's what he wants. And so when I get overwhelmed by the burdens and problems, the burdens and problems are there. It just is not the whole picture. So I ask the Lord of the harvest. About us. Is, that, is that helpful in any way? I hope it is, because it's right here in the text. That's what he's saying. We all have a purpose and a place in this. Jesus is about extending his, his kingdom. He's doing it all over the world right now. CNN won't report it. Fox won't report it. Nope. He's, he's doing it everywhere. He's just calling his disciples to participate in this right now. All right. So that's why. Following Jesus begins with prayer. <clears throat> Secondly, look for his call. I, I should say look and listen for his call and then follow him in obedience. Look and listen for it, then follow him in obedience. So I, I kind of described this a little bit earlier, what my, my sense of what that is. The specifics of that call, they'll look different for different people. That's okay. So we don't need to compare ourselves with others, all right? But there's, there's this aspect of taking, we say, the gospel or the good news to people or to community. Some, some people, we just finished missions month, some are, they're going to get up and go to another country, another place. I get a daughter in the inner city that I don't like where she lives in North Lawndale. And when I try to be like a dad and like give her advice that she didn't really ask for, you know how that went, you know? And, and here's what I was, I feel called to this dad. You know what dad wants to do? I want safety and protection for my kid. I want life to be really good. I want her to stay at New... Do you know that if you stayed another year or two at New Buffalo schools, you'd have all your school debt pay off? What are you doing? I didn't say it like that. My heart did. I, I feel called to this. But she's still there. And it's stinking hard. But you know what my job is? Support her then. Come alongside her when I can. Pray for her. And I'll like it but it's what I'm to do with her. And I'm okay with it in that sense. And it will demand more of her and anybody. Some will get called to foreign countries. But it's not just the up and going. It's right here. It's right here too. It's no less for anybody if you don't up and go. But there will be some that God will have a unique thing on them. If God got, doesn't call you something unique, you're not doing something wrong. But we got to know life's a lot more than good job, good money, good house, good marriage, good family, good kids. It's just a lot more than that. Good grandkids. A lot more than that. So we say this, working or retired, 
Either way, it doesn't matter. School or in school. He's got a calm place. The people he's put around you. Whatever you're doing. Are you aware of, of that aspect of it? So look and listen for it. So some of us are like this, man. I just don't feel like I have like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to be. I don't know what to say. I don't think the disciples did either at this point, okay? It's not like they're like super spiritual whatever stars and they, they got some big mistakes coming, but Jesus is sending them out and I, I just think that's what he wants because again, all of this is depending on him. That's why it's praying earnestly. So praying, I mean, it's not just telling him stuff. It's like, it's asking him and listening to him and Lord, change me. I, I need to see like you see. I don't see like you see. But look and listen for his call, his voice. Thirdly, to those Jesus calls, he gives authority. I better speed this baby up. Okay, here we go. So what kind of authority is this? I thought Pastor Mike did a great job with this last week. Um, essentially, this is authority. It's over evil to extend his kingdom. And so when he preached Romans 12, which was awesome last week, Romans 12 ends this way. I think we got this verse. Chapter in this way, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do we got that one? Yeah, yeah. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That should be on our t-shirt, shouldn't it? Don't be overcome by, it's all around us, junk, but overcome it with good. So you got you to anchor that last verse in the whole rest of the text, which Mike preached last week. It was wonderful. Um, for speed, oh, go ahead and put the next one up. And I'll just, I'll just say this one fast. Uh, the John, you get the John verses? John 5, 17 and 19. So maybe write these down and read them later. I think we got them. So here's what happens in John 5. Jesus heals, Jesus' favorite, favorite day to heal would be the, the Sabbath. That's the day they're supposed to rest. They're not supposed to work. So he's being criticized for this in John chapter 5. We don't have it? Okay. And uh, here's what he says to him. He's being kind of attacked for it. Verse 17. He says, my father's working until now, and I'm working. <laughs> Get what he's saying? They're saying, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. He goes like, God's always working. He's always working. He doesn't stop. My father's at working, so I'm working. They're criticizing because he heals a guy. And then he says in verse 19, Truly I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. What's he, what's he saying here? So Jesus is giving us something. He says, I can only do what God does. I got to walk with him. This is why we pray earnestly. So sometimes you're going to want to do something. Is this where God has you to be? And so looking for what the father's doing and walking with him, that's what that's what he's asking for. So I was with the men a couple Fridays ago. Um, we got a, with a group that meets at 8 o'clock. All you men, you're invited to it. And we just kind of talked about that aspect of, of watching and waiting. And actually, this, this came to me. I'm flying. can't say the cities, can I hear? Flying from one city in Central Asia to another city. And I'm like, Lord, this, I don't know what to do here. This, this next situation, it's so complex. I, I like, so all the place we go, there's high security and all this, but I'm, I'm just asking him. I had these two words to me. Watch and wait. 
So I'm serious. I'm on this plane. I can't open a Bible because you can't have those there. So I got it on my phone, other pocket. I got it on my phone. I'm just reading it. And I'm reading these scriptures about watching. So watching means spiritual alertness. So when Jesus is in the garden, I don't know if you remember this, he takes Peter, James, and John and says, hey, can you come closer? Will you watch with me? Will you stay awake, spiritually alert with me? In Colossians 4, he says, um, pray, continue steadfastly in prayer and be watchful in it. So let me just pause for a second. So sometimes when we're praying, we're like, I just, I'm just downloading my request to God. I mean, it's okay. We can, you know, tell God your needs. We're supposed to all the time. But being, there's a, a spiritual alertness to us. I mean, like God speaks to us. I hope that's not weird for you. It's a nudge. It's an impression. It'll be consistent with him being at the center, his glory, his character. But listen for his nudges. She's the extrovert. She talks to every stranger in the world, okay? I'm not. And sometimes God nudges me beyond what I am comfortable doing. But it's okay. Just walk in open-handed. Wait. Watch and wait. So the wait, there's so many times it talks about waiting on the Lord, waiting for the Lord. To me, that's something in my heart that's trusting him. Okay, let me just say this right now. There's probably some things in your life that you really won't resolve. They're not resolved yet. Pray earnestly. But there's a watching and waiting aspect also. There just is. Some of the prayers that I've had, let me say this way. I just, with all these pastors from all over the country, it's crazy. There's only 16 of us. We sit around this big table at night. We've just been fly fishing. And we get this one, someone just asked a question around the table. And just is really interesting to hear these guys. Some of them I knew really well. Some of them I was getting known. All of them had something deep, tended to be family member. Something that, that's the biggest things in you that was unresolved. So there's praying for each other. But some of these things, they're long stories of how God works. In my own life and my kids, some of them are long stories. I want it to happen just like this. Sometimes it's years. You'll do it, watch and wait. And what he says to you, if it's consistent with his, his character, go do it open-handed. But you can't make anything happen. You don't have to. The Lord of the harvest does it. That should be comforting to us. All right, final one. Jesus sends out his disciples to do his will and extend his kingdom. Oh, that was my watch and wait thing. That's where it was supposed to be. Okay. I wasn't looking at my notes. I guess that was there. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So that's, that's kind of the first four things. Last bit, we'll be quick through this one. I think it's the main stuff. Uh, Jesus sends out his disciples with instructions. So again, we talked about this in Sunday school. Well, who does he send them to? He goes, um, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans. So we go like, is that for us today? So here's what's going on in the text. So we, we know that at the end of, the, of Matthew, he says, go to all nations. So those instructions are specific to those disciples. And here's what's going on as Matthew plays out. They go to Israel because Israel has the first opportunity to receive Jesus or not. And when they don't, just watch how it builds. He says it there. Those who reject you will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for these guys. They are judged based on their rejection of Jesus. So go to Israel first. That's specific to them. What do, we, what do they do? So I, I think there's some things in this instructions 
that's um, helpful for us. Here's the first one. Proclaim. Proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 7. So let me break this down. I'm, I'm going to do this a little more quickly. Try to. Okay. How do you, is that for us? How do you proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand? If you got greeted that way today, that'd be a little weird, huh? So what's he saying? So it's very specific to them, but I want to suggest there's a dimension to us. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's where Jesus is. That's why his preaching starts that way. This is the very thing when Matthew starts his gospel, chapter 4, he's proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Now he's given his disciples authority. That's what they're proclaiming. Are we supposed to walk around and proclaim that now? So we go like, no way. How is it at hand? Let me say this to you. When Jesus dies, he's resurrected. Does anybody know what today is, by the way, besides Sunday? Do you know this, Shirley? It's Pentecost Sunday. Okay. 50 days after the resurrection. It's a Jewish holiday, but that's when the Holy Spirit came. This is actually historically the day. So he, he tells his disciples ahead of time, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, who is who? Holy Spirit, that's, that's the weird guy. I don't get him. He's like, it's Jesus' spirit, the spirit of Jesus. That's what that, think of it that way. That might be more helpful to you instead of some weird dove that flies funny. I don't know. People get weird ideas. It's part of the Trinity. It's part of the God. I mean, it's like, but it's Jesus' spirit that I'm sending to you. His presence, follow me, in the church. And throughout the way, his spirit's where? In his people. So there is an aspect of where you go, you embody the spirit of Christ. And in that way, the kingdom is pretty near people. I don't think we think of ourselves like that. And I'm trying to be weird. I'm trying to really unpack what the scripture says and think about it that way. That wherever God's placed you, if you're a Christ follower, he's given his Holy Spirit. The presence of Jesus is there. Pray earnestly, because when you pray earnestly, when you're praying that way, you're going to be aware. You're going to be thinking like that. You're not going to just see how you normally see. That's why it's this conversation all the time. This is actually how the, the kingdom of God gets extended all over the world right now, wherever God's people are, if we're walking thinking that way. All right, two, minister over evil. So I don't think Jesus' kingdom is one-dimensional, but he says the same thing about heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out. I mean, that's what he's saying here. So simply put, the world's a hurting place. Have compassion for them. And everybody's hurting in some way, even the guys that look like it's together. The guys that look like it's most together just hide in some way, that's all. So be aware Compassion when it happens. Let me just give you one phrase that I found helpful, and this would be even with irreligious peoples, I'm talking to them. If God opens a door, I say, hey, can I pray for you? That's all it is. You don't have to have big words. In fact, big words are actually not helpful. For most, just whatever God gives you to pray, just pray for them. That's a pretty caring thing. I've been around plenty of irreligious people that would even be okay with that because they would, they would receive that as some kind of kindness. But as he sends them out, that's what it is. Thirdly, oh, possess the spirit of grace and trust. I got to read these verses. I don't think I have them. We, I didn't give them to you, did I, Ian? Okay. Uh, 8b, what's he say here? Oh. Heal the sick, 
raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. What's that mean? You receive without paying, give without pay. That's how we receive Jesus. It's grace. We all need that. No one bought their way in. No one was good enough for God. So minister that way with grace. And I'd say trust. He says, don't take money with you. Don't take, two extra, don't take an extra staff. Trust him and his provision. So whatever you do, go ministering with grace and trust. Finally, uh, he's got that whole thing. Oh, he says that if they receive you, you know, go on in. If they don't, you wipe the dust off your feet. And he talks about being worthy. So I would say it this way, discern and look, look for receptivity. Look for the doors God is opening. And when he's talking about worthy, no one makes themselves worthy. Hear what he's saying, worthy. You'll see it connected to the word, the one, the one who's worthy is the one who receives you. So hear me, we don't judge people. Not our job. We love our neighbor. We're unworthy of the God. We're, so we don't judge him. People are actually judged by their own actions. That's what happens later on in the eternal judgment. It's not us. People are judged by how they respond or not. We can t- come to them with graciously bringing the truth. I call it, let's be clear and kind. Clear and kind. Recognizing the grace that we've received. All right. I'm done. Let me end with these last things. Let me be, be very honest, okay? June 10, we've got an incredible opportunity just to extend that out to the, to the community. Uh, June 13, uh, will be D.D. Dunn's memorial service. Uh, D.D. would come here sometimes, pre-pandemic. Had a lot of conversations. So I'm actually going to be doing the service. I don't know what that means. Meet with a group of people later. Um, but I'll say this. There's going to be a lot of people around They'll be hurting in different ways. Okay, so we got to, I'm just saying both those things in terms of how we pray with this, what we want to do. I'd probably spend more time if I had more time, but you know enough, so in this way. Let prayer be first. Ask the Lord even today to help you see what he sees. Secondly, listen to him. Look for it. When there's a nudge, go for it, even if you're an introvert. It's okay. Thirdly, as you go, whatever that is, just look for open doors. It's not your job to open the door. But as you go, knocking on it, just seeing, God will open the doors that are ready to open. That's, you don't have to worry. You didn't fail. If something doesn't open, that's what he says. Just go on the next. But you're looking for there's receptivity. And do that full of grace, being gracious, trusting him. I I, I think that's what he'd want us to come away with. What an opportunity we all have. Really, what a privilege to bring the presence of Jesus into a place, wherever that is. Let's pray. Father, again, I ask this simply. You'd help us to receive what has been from you today. You know each one here. You know our needs. So I'll trust you for that and how you'll answer that prayer as we give you thanks 
for the ways that you have been gracious to us. In this we pray, in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.